Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Wispine Show. This month on the podcast, we're partnering with the Gap Year Association for Gap Year Exploration Month to feature real stories of Gap Year students. To learn more, you can head to gapyearassociation.com and share using hashtag explore the gap year. So today I'm super excited to be talking to Viola Helen. We met because of a project that she was working on called StudyStream, which is an online platform for students to basically study together over Zoom and also for creators such as I to host study with me sessions, which I did a couple of weeks ago and I plan on doing probably at least once a month because it was really fun. So as we were talking, we realized that we were both really big fans of gap years and that study stream was just one of the projects that Viola has done with her not one but two gap years. (laughs) She took one after high school and one after college. So I'm super excited to go over all of the exciting and impressive things that you've done over your gap years and thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you for having me. So I want to have you take us back to high school. What was it that made you want to take a gap year and was it something that you knew for a long time or how did that decision um, happen? So I think for me, because my family, I'm, we've always travelled a lot uh, throughout my life. So I've been very lucky in that sense. My mum was, I've been raised by a single mum and she always prioritised uh, travelling or whenever she had any disposable income. So I think travel has just always been something I've loved. And because of that, I remember when, I think I think I was in year eight, so I was 13, when my mom told me about the concept of a gap year and I thought, oh my God, I definitely want to do this. Like, I just want to do it. So I remember, you know, I'd be at school and I think, yeah, from, from year eight or pretty much then, I just told everyone I was gonna take a gap year after, after school. Um, even though I didn't know what I was gonna do, I just always knew that I wasn't going to go straight to university. I knew that I would always want to take this year out. And yeah, pretty much that's how it kind of started. I just remember from from that young age of just saying that to everyone. And then when it got to applying to university, so in the penultimate year of school, I still knew I wanted to take that gap year. And I just said to my school who were quite, you know, they want, I was, I was quite good at school and they wanted me to apply to all these top universities. And I just said to them, well, I, I will be taking a gap year. So I will be applying for deferred entry, which is something that people aren't really aware of that you can do. It wasn't really a done thing. Um, and I kind of went against the grain and I did that. And I applied to five universities for deferred entry, specified I will be taking this gap year. And I managed to get five offers. So I think it's something that should be spoken about, spoken about more because it is, is, is possible, you know, you shouldn't be deterred from taking a gap year or even applying to university before a gap year. But yeah, that's kind of how it all came about really. I just knew that I wanted to take a year out. And ever since I heard of the concept, it just stuck with me. Yeah, that's awesome that your mom was super supportive. I feel like when parents are supportive of a gap year, that's like the most important thing. Because I know that for a lot of students, a big obstacle is getting their parents on board. So aside from your mom, who was very supportive, when you started telling everyone that you were going to take a gap year, was there any pushback from your friends or teachers or other students? Is it common where you live to take a gap year? So in the UK, I think it's more common than other countries, but it still it still wasn't common. I think I was the only one in my year group who intentionally knew I was going to take, take a gap year. I think there were others who ended up taking gap years, but I was the one who was always like, I'm taking one. Um, 
from right from the get-go so yeah it, it wasn't hugely common uh, I think now it's definitely become more so but yeah when I was applying to university I was definitely I definitely had teachers saying oh do you think that's a good idea mm. um, especially because I was I was applying to Oxford and you know I had teachers say to me I don't think it's a good idea to do that maybe you should apply during your gap year instead but I just said no I don't care I don't want to be dealing with uni stuff in my gap year I'm applying before and whatever happens happens that's definitely a big question for people who want to take a gap year is do you apply during high school and then defer or do you apply during your gap year? So I applied during my gap year just because I figured maybe like I'll have some experiences on my gap year that change my idea of what college I want to go to and what I want to study. But I feel like both options work. Yeah, definitely. As far as I know in the United States, I don't think all colleges allow you to um, apply for deferred entry like that. So mm. did all of the colleges that you were applying to allow that? Did you have any um, obstacles that you ran into where they maybe didn't want to allow you to do that? Yeah, no, all the unis I applied to in the UK allowed it. I think you can on the UCAS application. It's just checking that your course allows it. So I think, for example, mm. for maths, they don't really allow it because you might lose that. Unless you're doing something and specify, you'll be doing something maths related in your gap year they don't really allow it so I know yeah you have to look at the course description but for my courses they did allow it okay yeah that's great so just for anyone listening make sure you check with the university yeah. beforehand <laughs> so that you don't end up applying and then you have to cancel or something but yeah I think especially as gap years are becoming more popular I feel like universities are also becoming more accommodating to that which is nice like I heard about I think maybe it was Harvard or some other prestigious university in America that actually was encouraging to encouraging their incoming students to take gap years. And the way they phrased it was like, these four years are going to be so academically challenging and intense. Mm -hmm. And we, we suggest taking a year off to prepare for that <laughs> before you embark on this. So yeah, just make sure you do your research. Um, so then I want to move on to talking about what you actually did with your gap year. So what, how did you go about making the plans for your gap year? How early did that planning process start for you? So once I knew that I was taking one and I knew that, and I found a friend, one of my good friends who also wants to take a gap year and we decided that we would travel together. So once I kind of knew that we'd be doing it together, we then started just brainstorming, I think, again, in my penultimate year at school, um, about November, December time. So we just sat down and we decided where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do with the gap year. And we're both Chinese adoptees. So for us, it was very important to go back to China uh, and to really spend time living there, learning the language and just fully immersing ourselves in the culture. Because although both of us had gone back quite a lot in the past, it was just the time to really go alone, be independent and really explore and, re and you know, reconnect with our with our culture and our heritage. So we knew that China would be a big part of the gap year. So we looked into intensive Mandarin courses. We also looked into volunteering as teachers. So we knew that that would be the bulk of the gap year. And then we also both wanted to go to countries that were really far away from the UK because we always thought, you know, we can do interrailing in Europe, any kind of uni holiday because it's so close to us. So we wanted to go really further afield. So we chose to go to Australia and do the typical backpacking route up the East Coast because it's a very well, well trodden route. Uh, it's, you know, it's an English speaking country and we were only 18. So we thought it's a very safe route to go, to go down. So we cho chose Australia, knew we were going to do China and just thought in the middle, 
uh, just in between Australia and China. We'd go to Bali in between as a kind of stop off. So that's kind of how how we planned it. We just thought Australia, Bali, China. And yeah, we thought about what we wanted to do and how we were going to do it. That sounds so fun, so exciting. This is making me want to travel. Do you have any resources that you would recommend? Like what websites did you go to to search for travel programs or backpacking routes or things like that? So I think for the Australia route, we just Googled it and lots of YouTube videos came up, bloggers came up. I remember we looked at Molly Bylet. She's now rebranded as Where's Molly? Uh, she's a UK YouTuber and blogger and she had done lots of videos on backpacking Australia. So I think that was one video that we, I remember we, we both sat down in my room on my bed and we were both watching it together and like making our notes <laughs> about where we wanted to go in Australia. Um, and just, yeah, I think mainly reading blog posts really for Australia. And then mm-hmm. for the, well, and then for hostels and accommodation, we just looked at like Hostel World and Hostel Bookers, the two main hostel booking websites. Um, and then for volunteering, that was, yeah, I'd say that was a bit trickier because the volunteering sites we came across all, they asked you to pay money to volunteer in China. So it's really hard to kind of balance that out with. We didn't want to be paying. You know, some programs asked to pay, you know, a thousand pounds upwards to volunteer just to teach English. Um, we ended up going with one because we couldn't find any that was just completely free at the time. So we did have to pay, but we found one which we were, where we only paid about, I think, 300 pounds as like a fee. But everything else was covered, accommodation, food, everything. Um... But yeah, we just use Google mainly. But I think, yeah, we made that decision early on as well that we didn't want to go with any organized tour. We wanted to do everything, including the Backpacking Australia by ourselves. So as you were doing all of this traveling, you were probably away from home for a long time. So did you ever experience any homesickness or just any other challenges of traveling? Because you said you were 18 and I feel like it just can be really overwhelming to take on. Mm. However exciting it is, it can be overwhelming to take on such a big trip um, at such a young age. Because I think for most people, that's like their first solo travel experience. So what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you uh, try to overcome those? It's interesting, actually, because I would say that I, I didn't really, I wasn't really ho- homesick. I don't know if that's really bad, but I think it's because I was, I was used to, I was, I was very independent anyway. And I think because mm-hmm. I wasn't alone, I was with one of my really good friends. So, and it felt like it was such an adventure. And we started off in Australia. So it was very much, we're around all these other backpackers. We're doing the typical route where we're just hopping from city to city and doing amazing things. So I didn't really feel hugely homesick, but we did come into a lot of, difficulties so I remember in Australia uh, there was one time when we became homeless for a night we went on one of these boat tours these sailing tours and we went to the Whitsunday Islands in Australia and we had a um the Greyhound bus hop on and off coach ticket all the way up the east coast so you kind of book it in advance and we because we were on this boat tour for three days we completely forgot to book our coach ticket before (laughs) so I remember we got back to Harvey Bay which was like the, the place where you get on and get off the the sailing boats um and there were no we had one night in a hostel and we tried to book the the coach for the next day and it was just fully booked out and (laughs) and it was a 12 hour coach or something ridiculous like that as well and so we thought oh my gosh what are we going to do we tried to extend our stay at the hostel we were staying at but they were fully booked because we were also there in the summer so it was peak season so they suggested other hostels nearby also fully booked so we thought, oh my oh. gosh, what are we going to do? So we, 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 we took a taxi to the kind of cent- central area of the town where there was kind of hotels and things that were obviously more expensive to see if they had places because we were so desperate. Um, and although they were kind of a bit of, out of our budget, we still went and they were also sold out. 
like no, no one had a place and we're like we don't know what to do we're gonna try and go to the bus station and try and get on the bus and see if there's like any misses if anyone misses the bus and we can see if we can get on so we went to the bus station at like I think the, the bus was at about 8 p.m so we went there and we we're waiting and well first of all the bus driver lied to us because he said that there was no what that everyone had arrived and there were no space left and then literally just as it was about to depart this girl comes running um and gets on the coach because she was late so there was at least one seat but he lied to us anyway it goes off and we're like oh my god we're just stuck in this really deserted bus station like it was really creepy it was kind of like one of those retail parks where there's just all these shops and just loads of car park area and things like that. And it was just really freaky. Um, but we were all, we were just there alone. So we ended up going to the outside area of a restaurant with our backpacks and we just took it in turns to have naps and just keep watch. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so stressful. <laughs> it was so stressful. We got on the next coach the next day, but oh my gosh, yeah, it was scary. And at one time it was like 3am and a car drove up right by the restaurant area and this guy got, got out and he started walking around and we were like, oh my God, and we were trying to hide behind like the fence area and it was just, it was really creepy, but yeah, that happened. <laughs> I mean, definitely something that we remember. Yeah, well, I'm glad you were safe. That sounds like a very stressful experience. Like, I remember one time I tried to extend my stay at a hostel and I had to switch to another room. Like, that was <laughs> my biggest challenge with accommodations, but I can't imagine, like, not being able to find a place anywhere. So once you started college, actually, what university did you end up going to? So I went to Oxford and I studied classics for four years. Okay, awesome. So... Did you feel like your gap year helped you prepare for that in any way? Like maybe um, just feeling more motivated academically because you took a break or feeling more independent because of all of the solo travel experience that you had? Did you feel like there were any benefits of your gap year to your college experience? Yeah, definitely. I felt like I was, I didn't have the homesickness that lots of freshers have because I was so used to being away from home already and I was used to you know cooking for myself already looking after myself dealing with things on on my own uh, so that definitely helped and I think academically I was I think yeah probably a bit more motivated to get back to work having taken the the time out but yeah I think I, had I gone straight from school to university I would have just burnt out I think I would got I would have got so fed up with university and so demotivated so I think having the break really refreshed me and I was yeah I was looking forward to getting back into it. I think it's really awesome that you had a friend who also wanted to take a gap year because like you said that kind of reduces the homesickness also because you have this built-in support system. Did you meet any other friends throughout traveling? Did you find it difficult to reach out to other people or like meet people at hostels or things like that? I think I remember at the beginning so we left on the 4th of December um, and we went for two months two and a half months to Australia and because it was the Christmas period or it was getting into a very peak season we didn't really stay in hostels too much so because there was a 12-hour time difference we decided to spend a week in Melbourne to get over the jet lag and stay in a an Airbnb and then it got to the Christmas period so we it was cheaper to just book an Airbnb than stay in a hostel so we did that so for the first kind of three weeks we're in we're in an Airbnb just with each other so it kind of felt like we weren't making any friends we weren't unless we were going on tours and day tours or other other activities um so remember I felt a bit frustrated thinking I want to meet new people I want to make friends but obviously we can't because of our situation but as soon as we got into hostels we made an active effort to speak to lots of people and I think definitely going on day tours or going on organized activities is definitely a good way to make friends as well 
I think that's a big challenge for people, like especially people who are traveling for the first time. I always hear like, oh, you make so many friends while traveling, but you actually have to make an effort to do that. And sometimes it's kind of scary. It is scary, yeah. (laughs) So then after four years of university, you took a second gap year. So what was your thinking behind that? Why did you want to go through all of that again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, I thought that... I didn't want to go straight into a full-time job after I graduated. I thought, you know, there's so much societal pressure to go straight from school to university to a full-time job. And that job, you're going to be working for the next 40 years of your life. Like, where's the break, you know? And I think definitely going to university where it was so intense and, you know, there's so much pressure being in that environment when everyone's applying for internships in their penultimate year. Everyone's looking for this big corporate job. And it just, there's so much pressure around it. And I just didn't like it. I didn't want to be forced into this career path that I didn't want to do or wasn't even sure that I wanted to do just because it felt like you had to because everyone was doing it. So I knew that, again, I wanted to take a break after uni because it was just too much for me. I was like, oh, I've had enough. I need a break. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to do that. And I wanted to show people that there is no pressure or rush to go into a job and that it's fine to take your time to think over things, to take time for yourself, um, because you know, a lot of the time, I think because I had taken that gap year and I was doing a four year course as opposed to three years, which is the norm in the UK. Um, you know, I, I'd seen lots of my friends who were in years above or had graduated before me going into these jobs and just not enjoying them. So I thought, you know, I need to take the time to really figure out what what, what I want to do. And also just I, I knew I wanted to do more traveling. I mean, obviously, coronavirus has meant that that can't happen. But um, yeah, I just I just knew I wanted to take more time out. Yeah, so coronavirus is a big problem. <laughs> what was your initial plan for how you were going to spend that year before all of this went down? So my initial plan was I was considering doing the International Citizen Service, which is a program in the UK where you fundraise about £1,200, I think, and the rest is funded by the government. And you go for three months and you work on a project in an underdeveloped country. So I was considering doing that because I hadn't done it um, before and I'd heard about it. Um, But when coronavirus happened, when the outbreak happened in March, they kind of cancelled all their programmes. So I had to rethink what I wanted to do. I mean, even after even after coronavirus, we knew we knew about it. I was still planning my travels in the hope that oh, by the time I graduate and want to go travelling, you know, it will have (laughs) restrictions on a visa. Little did we know. (laughs) So then I changed my plan to um, two months living in. Portugal learning Portuguese because I I like language learning so it was one of my goals to focus on that in this gap year but then do um eight months of full-time travel so I was going to do a month in New Zealand two and a half months in Southeast Asia so Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the Philippines, uh, Singapore and Malaysia uh 10 weeks in South America so I was only going to do four countries Argentina, Peru, Bolivia and Chile and then eight weeks interrailing Eastern Europe and a month in Italy. That was my plan. <laughs> oh, that sounds so nice. So how did you have to adapt once you realized that a lot of this would not be possible? I, so because I, I, I decided to move things around. So I was initially going to go off traveling to Southeast Asia in September, but instead uh-huh. I moved it to go move to Portugal, base yourself somewhere in one place for two months and then see what the situation is like. So I did that. And then as, you know, as I saw that all these countries were just closed off, banning people from traveling, I just thought, okay, well, try and adapt, see if you can go go to different countries. But I think I just essentially 
looked at myself and I said, look, as much as you want to travel, you're just going to have to accept that you can't do that now. So just think about basing yourself in one place and just trying to maybe get a job, work remotely or just work on new skills or take online classes and make the best out of a bad situation. So I then went and applied for a Portuguese residency and <laughs> I'm now a Portuguese resident, which was completely unplanned. So um, yeah, I'm now living in Portugal for the next five years, apparently. So how how does that even work? Like, okay, well now I'm confused because something <laughs> that helped me while I was traveling was that I had a an EU passport. And so mm. I remember my host mom would be like, are you sure you can stay in Spain this long? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I have the, <laughs> I have the European passport. No one's going to kick me out. So did that did that help you or does the does having a, a passport from the United Kingdom not like affect traveling in the rest of Europe anymore oh no it does Brexit affected everything so at the end of yeah the end of 30th of De- 31st of December 2020 meant that after that Brits can only travel as Americans and other third national countries to Europe for 90 days every 180 days so for me you know I've always been European it was so heartbreaking when that happened when Brexit happened so yeah I just saw I I saw a way to adapt with my gap year I thought I want to stay in one place I'd rather stay in Portugal than in the UK and I saw that you know people in my Portuguese classes other Brits had come over to move here because of Brexit and I thought why not me? I I actually fell in love with Portugal while I lived there. I went through the application process and this permit means that after five years of living there, I can then apply for for Portuguese citizenship and get an EU passport back. And that is kind of what my aim is at the moment because my UK passport doesn't allow me to live and work freely anymore in in the EU. You can only travel there as a tourist. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So what, what what a turn of events that now you're just living in Portugal. That's super exciting. What are your, what projects are you working on at the moment? Like what, what is up next for you? What are your plans for the future? (laughs) Funny you should say that. I was meant to fly to Mexico tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back in, back in November, me and one of my colleagues actually booked, booked flights, but um, clearly that's not happening anymore. We had to cancel that, which is really sad, but obviously for the best. Um, yeah, I mean, during this time, I, as I said, since I planned to travel, I didn't plan on really doing much except from traveling and maybe, you know, creating content for my YouTube channel. But I kind of fell into this job where, as you said, I'm working on a project called Study Stream and I'm helping out with this startup company, this edtech. And we, we've created this nonprofit platform called Study Stream where you can study with students from all around the world on our virtual libraries and focus rooms. And we kind of identified that students were struggling with motivation and productivity during the pandemic with online school and university. And we wanted to try and combat that and create some sense of community. So I've been working on that, which has been really nice. And yeah, I mean, I guess before I was kind of working on my YouTube channel, but I've taken a bit of a step back from that at the moment to try and really work out what direction I want it to go into. Um, and yeah, considering going back into blogging, because I've had a blog for a long time, but I haven't blogged for about two, three years now. But yeah, at the moment, just kind of figuring out all the Portuguese stuff, um, sorting out Portuguese residency, tax, tax stuff, all the, you know, bureaucracy and ad- real adult stuff. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. it seems so overwhelming to me to try and figure all of that out. Did you... Were you able to find anyone, like maybe someone who uh, has lived in Portugal for a long time to help you out with all of that? 
I have joined a lot of Facebook groups for expats mm. in Portugal, which has been really useful. But yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot about tax now, international tax and how <laughs> tax works and registering for tax in Portugal is so different from the UK and all the obligations. I've, you know, I've had lots of consultations with tax lawyers and tax consultants. So it's definitely probably the, the main adulting thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> Way more than you ever wanted to know about taxes. Yeah, I know, really, honestly. I didn't think I'd be reading the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to move on to our lightning round. And so this is just going to consist of a couple of quick questions to finish out the episode. So my first question is, do you have any book recommendations for our listeners? Ooh, I recently finished um, Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's over there. It's, I would really recommend it. It's just, it's, is it fiction? Yeah, it's fiction. No, it's, well, it's based on, it's based on the author's life. And it's just a really fun, quirky book. It's just a kind of coming, well, not coming of age, but she just talks all about her 20s and all the escapades she got up to, all the fun things she got up to. It's just really relatable and fun. It's, I, I, I read it in one sitting. So if you, if you need an escape, you want a lighthearted book, I'll definitely recommend that. Um, I've also finished reading um, The Richest Man in Babylon. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a finance book. It's very short, though. That was really good. Uh, got, a lot of, got a lot of financial advice from that. And a book that has been recommended to me a lot, but I've not yet read, is Around the World in... I think it's Around the World in 80 Trains or 70 Trains. Sounds interesting. And then what is a quote that you like that inspires you? One quote that I really like is... I think it's like, don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life. Ooh, I like that. I actually haven't heard that, but I love it. Um, and then the last question is, what is the best piece of advice that someone has given you? Maybe gap year related if you want, maybe not. That's hard. Best, best, best piece of advice anyone's given me. Doing things for other people will always make you happier. Always make you happy. Mm. How have you seen that apply to your own life? I think when I felt really recently, I've been in a really big slump. I think with lockdown, we're in our third lockdown and just, it's just never ending. Just felt really down and demotivated to even do my own things. You know, I really struggles to get out of bed in the morning. And I think you're know, just sending people. So I recently sent lots of postcards to some of my friends and that just made me feel good. And then when they received them, you know, it just, it made them feel happy, but it made me feel good. So doing things or just spreading kindness or being kind to other people and not really I think when you take the attention away from yourself and more place it placing it on other people that's where you get the most amount of joy mm-hmm. I totally agree with that sometimes it seems counterintuitive like if you're personally struggling what you have to do is actually not think about your own struggles and yeah. just see what you can do for other people so I love that well, it was really great talking to you and I'm just really glad to have met you through the study stream project and be able to talk to you and learn from you and get inspired by you. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your gap year story. Yeah, and you. Thank you so much for having me. This episode made me so excited to travel and to go backpacking and to go to college. Literally all of the things that we currently cannot do because of the coronavirus. But I did feel like it was really nice to live vicariously through hearing the stories of Viola's travel. So I hope you enjoyed that as well. Three takeaways from today's episode. First of all, when you're thinking about taking a gap year, one big thing to consider is whether you want to apply to colleges during your last year of high school or during your gap year. So both options generally work. It really depends on your circumstances. Like, do you want to be doing 
doing college applications during your gap year, or maybe you don't want the stress of college applications during your senior year of high school, so you want to hold off on that. One thing to keep in mind, though, is be sure to check with the universities that you want to apply to that they will actually allow you to defer your acceptance because you don't want to go through the entire process of applying, be accepted, and then realize that you can't hold off on that for a year. Second, I really liked hearing about how Viola's gap year helped her in college because I think a common concern people have about gap years is that after their gap year, students won't want to go back to college or they'll be behind academically. And I think it's actually the opposite of that. I think for a lot of people, it makes you enthusiastic about learning again. It gives you that sense of independence that's really helpful when you're starting college. It's just a plus overall. And finally, I really love the quote that she shared, don't live the same year 75 times. I think that really rings true with the gap year experience because like I had my hesitations about taking a gap year. I worried if I would fall behind academically and career-wise and just in my life in general. And in reality, my experience was pretty much the complete opposite of that. I think I was able to get ahead in many areas of life. But I think what was really great and important about my gap year and especially Viola's gap year, I think hers was a lot more exciting than mine, was that instead of just going from the whole academic cycle of high school exam studying yada yada straight to the academic cycle of college there was an interruption in between some dose of adventure and such which I think is just a nice way to structure your life if that makes sense. For today's action step I don't know about you but I just got so inspired to travel after hearing this episode Obviously, it is not safe to do so at the moment, but something that I've been enjoying doing is just going on Airbnb and looking where I would like to stay in the places I want to visit or finding little short travel documentaries on YouTube or things like that just to get myself excited for when we can eventually travel because I think it'll make it just that bit sweeter when we finally are able to. My recommendation for today, I already mentioned it in my newsletter on Instagram. I'm going to talk about it everywhere. Someone on Instagram recommended this book to me. Unfortunately, I can't remember who, but the book is called Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David Burns. I love this book. I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's quite a long book, but it is very, very helpful. So basically, it's a book that talks about scientifically proven cognitive behavioral therapy methods to treat depression. So for example, near the beginning of the book, I've been taking notes, he has this list of cognitive distortions, things like all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, mental filters, etc. And one of the exercises that you do is you write down the automatic thoughts that pop into your head and then you identify the cognitive distortions. Basically, where is it going wrong logically? And then you rewrite it as a rational thought. So I've been doing that and it has been very, very helpful. I hope you found this overall episode helpful and entertaining, and I will talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.